0: Hey, would you guys open up your Bibles with me? Um, How many of us have our Bibles in the place? Uh, Hey, can you just put them in the air? Just want to see where the Christians are at. All right, cool. Just kidding. If you have your phone, if if your Bible's glowing, I, I, okay, I understand that, your phones. Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. This is my, by far, my favorite scripture in the Bible. This is something that I read when I was uh, in high school. Uh, and it really messed me up Uh, growing up i I didn't i wasn't always in church i started coming to church around 16 but i started taking god serious when i was 18 years old Um, and now i can honestly say that i've been serving god for about 10 years now um and god has been doing amazing things in my life i i something i didn't ask for something i I wasn't desiring Uh, i wasn't desiring a position i just wanted to serve i just wanted to help out um and, and one of the biggest things that i see uh, especially with young adults, because we're talking to young adults right now, one of the biggest things that are happening are uh, going across the board and in many churches is that you have a lot of young adults that are just trying things out. I want to come to this church. I just want to see if it fits me and fits my lifestyle. If I don't like it, I'm going to go to another church, and I'm going to see if there's some things that, that fits my life. Uh, and really, in the young adult, in this generation, in our generation, we don't see a lot of young adults staying loyal. I'm a firm believer that you need to grow where you're planted. If God God has planted you somewhere, if God has planted you here in this church, then you need to grow here. And you have to look at it as this is the assignment that God has placed upon my life. And I'm going to serve and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do whatever I can because it's very hard for you to grow if you're not serving in ministry. So you need to make sure you can find some type of ministry that you can serve, whether if it's on Sundays or help out with the youth before, but get involved. Uh, it's very important to do so. But there's a scripture that I'm about to read that really messed me up when I was in high school. And it's a scripture that I, I hold on to um, every single day of my life. And it talks about this blind man, his name was Bartimaeus. And this is what it reads in verse 46. It says, then they came to Jericho As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving a city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard, everybody say heard, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told them to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, said Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want to talk to you on a topic that I have entitled, It Might Get Loud. It Might Get Loud. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, uh, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, we thank you, Lord, for setting us apart and, uh, and keeping us and holding us, God. You know our hearts. You know our journeys. Uh, Jesus, many of us probably wanted d- didn't want anything to do with you, but you inter- intervened and you intercepted our lives. And we thank you for that. And, Lord, tonight I pray that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our minds. That, God, if there's something that's inside of us, Lord, that you're trying to pull out or there's something that you want to put into our lives, Jesus, I pray that we that we would understand it and we would know it and we would see it tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, anybody love the holiday season? Uh, what, what's your favorite holiday? Anybody have a... Christmas? Okay. I, is it really Christmas if there's no snow? I just, okay, not to throw a shot. Um, but in Chicago, uh, in Chicago, uh, Christmas is by far one of our favorite seasons. This was, we celebrated our first uh, Christmas together. It was Christmas trees and all these lights, and it was a lot of fun. We had a wooden reindeer, and it was just really cool. Uh, but I, I can't picture Christmas uh, without snow. I, I look at that, and it's like, I, maybe I need to come and visit you guys. Uh, maybe during this, maybe, can we, should we? Okay, she said, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe we come and visit you guys during Christmas to see what it looks like uh, to have Christmas in the summer. Um, because you guys don't have snow, um, and so which is kind of weird but cool at the same time. Like, you can wear, can you wear tank tops in December? Like, yo, you coming in, chancletas and all this stuff to Christmas. Okay, uh, but one of, my one of my favorite holidays is obviously Christmas. We love Christmas is the birth of, of, our, of our Savior. Uh, one, of the, one of the other favorite uh, um, holidays is Thanksgiving. Uh, I love Thanksgiving, uh, especially if you come from a Puerto Rican household. Um, you get hibaritos and acapurias, lechong, some of yeah, lechong. It's a okay. You cooking later or what? Okay. Um, so Thanksgiving, I love to eat. I'm, I'm a big eater, we, we love to eat. Um, and there was, we ate a lot this week. Uh, one of my other favorite um, holidays is Easter. It's what the world says Easter. We call it back home Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but it's Easter. It's supposed to be celebrating, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he conquered the grave and now he's alive and well and he's moving and he's active in the people. Um, and so we come, and I love this because a bunch of CEOs come to, to our church. If you guys know who CEOs are, uh, these these are the people um, that are only, they're Christmas and Easter only. Um, the CEOs. I don't know what you guys thought I was talking about. Uh, but these type of people are Christmas and Easter only. They only come to church on those holidays. But it's cool. We accept you the way that you are, and we're going to love you, and we're going to pray that God intervenes and does something. So I remember back home a couple years ago, I had the responsibility of helping out in the parking lot. And, you know, what's such a glorious ministry, right? But the parking lot ministry is so important. Um, And so I remember I was going into the parking lot. I had the opportunity of driving the golf cart around. And so I had to go and pick people who were on another parking lot. So we had to go out of our parking lot from the church, go onto a main road to go into another parking lot and start picking up first-timers. So I would drive to this parking lot and see if I can find a first-timer. Um, and so I found this family, and I don't know if you guys know what a Honda Civic mentality is. Um, if, if, if you're Hispanic, you know exactly what, what a Honda Civic mentality is. You don't care how many people they, are, that they have. Even if you have a two-seater and you have a two-door car, you're going to try to fit as many people inside of your car as possible. You're going to put people in the trunk. They're going to be sitting on laps on top of laps. You're going to do whatever you can to stuff people in because you need to go where you need to go, Okay. And so I saw this family, the golf cart can only fit four. With me on, on it, I can only fit three now. A family that I was picking up had six members. So we had, we, I stuffed them all in. People, some of the dad was like hanging on the side, he was standing up. And I'm like, don't worry about it, it's not, a, it's not a long drive. We're gonna get you to where you need to go. And so while we're driving, I had to stop because I noticed somebody was parking in the parking lot they weren't supposed to. So I'm like, Um, excuse me, miss, Uh, you don't want to park there because uh, your car's going to get towed. And she's like, oh, my goodness, thank you so much. You're such a good and faithful servant. Uh, You continue to, no, she didn't say that. But uh, she was just saying, thank you so much. My car didn't get towed. And so what happens at this moment, I'm, you know, feeling myself, you know, Uh, and I'm going in, uh, and I'm going back into the golf cart, and I got a little too excited. I pressed the gas just, just a little too hard. So I I press the gas, and I turn onto the vision street, which is the main street. And while I'm driving down, all of a sudden I hear, no, my daughter. Wait, what? No, my daughter. I look back. Their six-year-old daughter is rolling down the vision street. There was cars coming right behind us. And I'm thinking, I just killed this little girl. And I'm I'm like, oh my goodness. I can't believe it. So I'm looking back, she is not moving. And I'm like, she's dead. I can't go to jail. You don't know what they'll do to a youth pastor like me in jail. I can't go there. I, I'm not that strong. I'm strong, but not that strong. I, I can't. So I was thinking of an escape route and how I could get out of here. So all of a sudden I look back, the girl starts moving. And I was like, there's either two things. She's alive or she's a zombie. But either way, she's moving. So she gets up and poor little girl, Dito, she had a white dress on. Like, she was, first of all, I was like, why are you wearing a white dress? It's your fault. Like, you're not marrying anybody. Like, what's wrong with you? So I looked at her and, and she had white leggings on. Those leggings were ripped, blood was coming down her knees, and I felt so bad. So she, she looks at me, right? And I'm like, yo, but then she looks back, but then she looks back at me. And I'm wondering, what what does she look at? Her Easter basket was all on the ground. The eggs were cracked. Don't say all because you guys don't understand what's going to happen. This is why I kind of feel sorry for her, but I didn't, all right? Because she, she looked at me, looked at the Easter basket, then looked back at me, and this is where it happened. She started to cry. And I'm like, girl, you waited so, so you can make eye contact with me twice so, so you can start crying? Like, really? You really want to just defeat me like that? So I felt so bad. So we get back on the golf cart. And we go drive, it was like the weirdest thing. We all got back, all seven of us on the golf cart to take them to the door and eventually I dropped them off and then they go into service and I just feel so down like, yo, they're gonna think this is how we treat first timers. Like they're never gonna come back to our church. So after service, I'm still like down, I'm like upset. I can't believe I almost killed this little girl. I see the girl, she's running from a distance. She's running at me like this. And I'm like, armor bearers, you guys don't see that? She's got a knife in her hand. She's coming to kill me. Snipers, take her out. Like, she's, she's coming to kill one of your pastors. She can't do that. But then she got closer. She got closer. And then she came to me, and she had the biggest smile on her face. And she's like, hey, I want to go back on the golf cart. I'm like, girl, I almost killed you. You want to get back on it? And so all seven of us get back onto the golf cart. These parents, I don't know. I'm going to call DCFS or something. I'm going to I'm gonna start calling the cops. They they are unfit parents. If we all got back on, and I drove, so I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, we don't treat first-timers this way. You know, it's never happened before. We never really dropped kids off of golf carts. Like, we don't do that here. Like, that's a no-no. That was my fault. Um, I hope you come back again. They're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. And I'm apologizing to them, and I dropped them off at the car. And I tell the little girl, like, hey, again, I am so sorry about your Easter basket. I didn't mean to, like, break all your eggs and, you know, everything's just all over the floor. She was like, oh, don't worry about it. Those eggs were empty anyways. So I'm like, wait. You started crying about an Easter basket that had empty eggs? There was no candy in it? And so I was like, and I was, like, thinking about it, right? Because I learned something from this six-year-old girl I learned something that day that she really spoke into my heart and spoke into my life that she came in one way to church she, she was she was bruised she was bleeding she was beaten she was tossed off of a golf cart rolling down Division Street she came in one way to church And whatever happened, my wife is the children's director there. I don't know what they gave her or what type of drugs or candy they gave her. But when she came out, she was completely different. Can I say something to you tonight? All it takes is one moment with God to change your entire life. See, some of us are probably still even debating, man, should I go to camp? Should I even get involved? Should I help on on Sunday services? Listen, that shouldn't even be an option. That should be the easiest answer for that question. That you need to get involved. You need to uh, try to go into those moments with God because it's in those very moments where your life will be changed. So she came in one way, crying, broken. And when she came out of church, something happened. That shows me that in the presence of God, things happen. Hey, you might feel like you're stuck tonight, but you need to understand that you serve a God that's always moving. So even if you feel like you're stuck, you just gotta submit everything over to God, surrender everything over to God, and you'll start to see things pick up. Not because of what you're doing, not because of what the church is doing, but because of who he is. It's all about him, it's always been about him. You see, the first, the first point that I wanna share with you is that Jesus didn't come and he didn't save us from something. He saved you and I for something. You see, a lot of people think that our battle was against the enemy. or Some of us think the battle is against each other. It's not. The only thing that the Bible says, because we understand that God has already won the battle, the victory is already ours. The enemy doesn't even compete to what God is and who he is. The only thing that the Bible talks about us being saved from is God's wrath. There is a separation between God and humanity. And because of the decisions of humanity now we no longer can, should be able to go into the presence of God because of the sin and the choices we made. And so there was going to be a wrath poured out on the people of God, but because of his infinite grace, he sends his son Jesus to come and die for you and I. So even though you and I fall short of the glory of God, you and I, the Bible says in Hebrews, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that the grace covers you, so now you and I have access to God. But it was never so that we could be, oh, I'm struggling too much or the enemy's too heavy in my life and I can't, and, and God needs to save me from that. He's not saving you from something, He's saving you for something. Yeah. That your life is attached to purpose. Imagine, imagine who your life is connected to. Imagine if there was no Pastor John. Who would have stepped up? Imagine if he didn't come in and say, man, you know what, God? Because he's still young. He's a young adult. He, he should be the one receiving in these services, but God put a calling upon his life, and now he's stepping up to say, God, I'm going to be used by you. But imagine if there was no Pastor John. Would there even be a youth, a, a young adult or a youth service? Would there be a worship team? Would, would there be these type of things? But because his life is connected to you, now it's your responsibility to take whatever you learn here and bring it out there. That the world is broken and they're lost because the people that are supposed to be preaching the gospel are only being comfortable inside the four walls and are not taking him out there. It's our responsibility. We have to be loud. It has to get loud. That your lifestyle needs to be loud enough that it's catching the attention of those people that don't know who God is. The way that you live, the way that you speak, what you post up on social media, what you like on social media. Come on. Hey, even though you might be sending stuff on Snapchat or viewing things on Snapchat, it doesn't mean, even though they race after 10 seconds, it doesn't mean that it hasn't impacted you. It hasn't affected you. So be careful because Bartimaeus now is in this position and the craziest thing is that we find out that he's blind. He can't see. The only thing that he depends on and where he's gonna go is his hearing. But his name, it literally says in the Bible that his name, my name, Joseph, that's my government name, don't call me that. It it means God will increase. And I'm like, wow, that's a cool name to have. This dude's name was Bartimaeus. That's bogus. Sorry if your name is Bartimaeus in here, I'm sorry. But his name literally means, this is so profound, son of Timaeus. Let that resonate with you. Glory to God son of Timaeus this is what it means son of Timaeus I'm like why why does he need to know that he's the son of Timaeus like why does he need to know then it hit me because what is he depending on for him to be able to communicate with people is his ears how can he hear things how can he know where he's at he can't see it no more but he can hear it so you got to understand that maybe the enemy has taken something out of your life you got to understand that he's not going to stop there He's going to keep going. And so what he was trying to affect Bartimaeus was with this very thing, his name. Because Timaeus, when you look up what his dad's name means, it means defiled and unclean. So his entire life growing up, I don't know if he was blind his whole life. I don't know if it was just for a couple moments or a couple months or or years, whatever it is. But his entire life he's hearing this. You're going to be just like your dad. You're unclean. You're defiled. You're broken, you're probably an evil person. You see, I don't know what your story is, but maybe you didn't have a great role model growing up. Maybe your parents probably abandoned you or your mom walked out or your dad walked out. Or maybe they did some things that probably affected their entire community. And now when people look at you, they're saying, oh, you're, that's, that's her son, oh, that, that that's her daughter. There's going to be just like that. Bartimaeus was now listening to this. So now you got to understand why he was so desperate when he heard the name of Jesus. you got to understand why he was crying out and screaming out. Because the crazy thing about it is that when he heard Jesus, the Bible says that he shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And at that very moment, the Bible says that the people that were there told them to be quiet. You want to know what might be the biggest downfall for the church? The church. If I can be honest, the church is not perfect. There's going to be times where you're going to probably be offended by somebody inside the church. There's going to be a time where you're probably not going to get the attention that you so desire. But that does not mean that you leave the church because of what somebody in the church did to you. Because if that's the case, if you're offended by what people did to you, then your attention probably was never on God and it was always on people. You, you got you to stop looking at church just like that. I know that we are the church, but hey, God is above it all. And so my, my, my main focus and my attention needs to be on him. So whatever happens to me this way, yes, it might suck. Yes, it might hurt. But I know that it will never change this. And so we got to look at it in that way. So Bartimaeus being, being shut up by all the people that were there, he ends up shouting even more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that the dis- disciples, Jesus calls out to him, and now the people that were telling him to be quiet are now the people that are bringing him to the feet of Jesus. So what happens at this moment, now, before he goes out into Jesus' presence, the Bible says that he throws his cloak to the side. I start to think about why the Bible says certain things. Why does the Bible say certain things? Because he didn't even have to mention that the cloak, he threw his cloak to the side and then went to Jesus, just say that he went to Jesus. But when you do research and you notice anything about the times and Bible times, you realize that whenever you had a defect, whether if you were blind, you were deaf, you were paralyzed, if you were lame, whatever it was, You had something that identified you. You notice that the paralyzed men and the paralyzed people in the Bible always had a map. Because that's what identified them. This man had a cloak. And whenever you were blind, there was a certain cloak you must wear so that when people come around you, they already know exactly what you have. So not only was he being attacked with his ears, but even people coming around him, oh, there goes the blind man. Hey, that goes blind mass. So he's hearing this, but the Bible says that he threw his cloak to the side. So in other words, what he was saying is, man, you know, I'm not, I know God doesn't require me to change before I get to him. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to get rid of those things that I know that are in my power to get rid of. That it's no longer going to identify me as who I used to be. But when I get into the presence of God, everything changes. You used to know me as the blind Bartimaeus, the man, when I get into the presence of God, I'm expecting him to heal me. Then you notice blind Bartimaeus goes from blind Bartimaeus to Bartimaeus, the man who was healed. And the very first thing that he sees, again, I don't know if he was blind for his entire life, but let's just say it. When he opens up his eyes, the very first thing that he sees is the face of the Savior. He sees it. What a beautiful view for that to be your very first view. That you're now standing in the face of Jesus, the one who healed you, the one who redeemed you, the one who's rescued you and saved you. This is why you no longer have an opportunity or a moment to waste. You and I as young adults, we need to get into the presence of God consistently. Why? Because those people that were broken and hurt and blind and deaf, those are those very people that we need to start praying for so that God can meet them where they're at and now that they can see and be able to hear and be able to sense the power of God. It's our, it's our responsibility. And so what happens at this moment, Bartimaeus is healed. But could you imagine that process and what it looked like? Because he probably wasn't believing in God in the beginning. He probably wasn't believing God even in the the process of it. But the final product was something that he probably was so desperate for. And he chose to say, God, I'm going to get into your presence because I know that you're going to heal me see my last point that I want to share and I want to, I want to leave you with this that the Bible teaches us this very thing that God if God is the beginning and the end we know that God is the beginning and the end but if he's the beginning and the end then we must trust that he is the God that's in the middle. everybody loves the idea of God starting something. God starts something new with me I've been stuck, I've been stagnant. I I just plateaued in my life. I I love God. God, you do something new in me. Start something new. And everybody loves the God of the end. Everybody loves when God finishes something in your life. The thing that you've been so desperately praying for. The thing that you've been seeking. The thing that you've been desiring. Everybody loves it when you get it. This is why we pray. This is why we come to church. God, you, I need you to bless me. I, I need you to fix me. I, I need you to heal me. Or some of us are probably past that, and you guys are looking for a future spouse. Hey, stop looking for the one and start being the one. You no longer have to try to prove yourself. All you need to do is stay connected to God. Don't lower your standards. Believe me, you got to look at it in a race. This is not... not I just feel like I need to say this. You got to look at it as a race. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to put my head down and I'm running towards the finish line. Little by little, sometimes I'm going to look up and see if somebody's around me. If somebody is, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. She's beautiful. I'm going to put my head back down and start running. God, I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to continue doing ministry. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing with you. Look back up to see if that person's still there. If that person's still there, put your head back down. Start running. Sooner or later, what happens is when I'm chasing God and she's chasing God, eventually our paths are going to meet. And that's when I know she's wifey. But it's, it's a race. It's a race. A lot of people get so desperate, and they end up settling for in a relationship that really is not going to bless you, but it's going to shatter you. the God in the beginning is the God of the end but he's also the God in the middle listen to me has anybody ever been on an airplane before what is that one seat you don't like listen tomorrow my wife and I are flying out at 5 in the morning and they did us in with this seat It's everybody loves the aisle seat everybody really loves the window seat But the seat that nobody wants is the middle. You want to know why? Willie, you almost set me up with this broken chair. You would have made me look so dumb up here. Jesus caught me. Jesus caught me. But listen to me. It's the middle. Why? Because the middle, especially if you're sitting on an airplane, you have two armrests, but none of them belong to you. Now now, if you're sitting between two sleepers that snore, oh my goodness. There's no arm space, you're just here, just okay, I'm gonna stay right here. I can't lean my head on anybody because you're gonna think I'm, I'm into you or something. So I gotta stay in the middle. Why? It's because they, they think that the, the aisle seat and, and the window seat is is everything's theirs. But it's it's normally listen, it's normally the middle. It's normally the the middle. That a lot of people give up on because again with every problem there comes a promise there's a purpose in your life god's going to give you power but a lot of people mess up in between these two where you had all the potential in the world to get to where god needed you to be but because the middle was so tough we chose to say man god is too hard Yo, I said yes to you. I thought it was going to be all good. You really want me to sacrifice things? You really want me to surrender some stuff? You really want me to stop doing certain things in my life? You see, some of us have probably been connected with some people that really had no business being in our lives. Whether it was relationships or friendships, we got connected with them because we probably got so bored in the middle that we desired to say, man, God, it's too hard. You know, I'm going to go to the front. I'm going to do the first step and, and I'm, I'm gonna stay right here. When really you and I were never called to stay here. We were called to get over there. And if I could be honest with you, your life as a believer is always gonna be lived in the middle. Why, because that's where your character is built, you're learning purpose, you're being challenged. You think that the enemy is gonna mess with you when you're not doing anything? No. He's not, he's not gonna do anything. He, he's not going to bother somebody who's not a threat to him. But you got to be a person and say, man, you know, I, I feel like my life is bigger than where it's at. And I know that I might be going through some hell in the middle. But God, I'm going to trust you all the way through. Because I know that once I get here, oh, I'm going to find my blessing. I'm going to find my peace. I'm going to find everything that I've been looking for. But look at how God works. Once you make it and you feel like you made it, Look, Mom, we made it. God then gives you a new task. He gives you a new assignment. And look at where I'm back. In the middle. And Lord knows how much I hate the middle. You see, there was a time, and I'm going to finish here. Worship team, you can start making your way up. There was a time before I was, uh, before we got married, we were engaged. My wife and I. Um, if, if you're somebody that was like, like didn't have a lot of money, you like balling on a budget. You know what that really means, balling on a budget. You probably didn't have no insurance. You probably didn't grow up with you know being able to go to the doctor and stuff. Uh, we finally were able to uh, build enough money so that we could finally get some insurance. Uh, and so the, the very first thing that we did, uh, we went to the dentist. Oh no, I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I said dentists is not the dentist. That was the second thing. But the first thing we did, we went to the doctor. I needed to get, I wanted to check my body to see if I was good. You know, like, yo, is there anything wrong with me? And so they separate my wife and I into separate rooms. And so what happens at this moment, the doctor was seeing her for like 30, 40 minutes, and I'm like, yo, you go come check me? Like so she's in there, then all of a sudden the doctor comes to me, and the doctor s- starts doing searches and, and just, you know. Hearing my heartbeat and checking my blood pressure and all this stuff. And I'm like, cool. Then she asked me this one question. She's like, um, Have you ever had the flu shot? And I'm like, You're not going to get me, devil, okay? Uh, because my mom always told me I, that once, once I get the flu shot, what you're doing is giving me the flu. And I'm like, You're not going to get me the flu. You're not going to get me like that, boo boo. You need to chill out. And you're not going to get me. And I'm, I asked this one question. I'm like, Okay. The, did my wife get the flu shot? She's like, yes. And I'm thinking, oh, this girl's trying to kill me before we get married. <laughs> She's trying to assassinate me by getting me the flu. And so I'm trying to be a good, you know, good. I didn't want to show her, like, I'm going to be a good husband. Like, listen, if you die, we're going to die together. Like, what you mean, oh, God? <laughs> I wasn't just overthinking this. I was really like, yo, my life is flashing before my eyes. <laughs> like, we're going we gonna to die together but we gonna do it, because I love you, girl. So I remember, she puts the flu, the flu shot, um, and I'm like, <laughs> all, all excited out and stuff, just really exaggerating, and I'm like, <laughs> and she's laughing. And I'm like, what you laughing about? You just gave me the flu. She's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, my mom told me that you gave me the flu with the flu shot, and she's like, no, that that's not that's not what happens. She says what the flu shot is, the flu shot is an inactive virus that we inject in you that would eventually boost up your immune system to fight off these type of viruses. So when the real virus comes, your body's prepared to fight it off. And I'm like, wait, what? It serves as an inactive virus to boost up your immune system. So when the real virus comes, you're able to fight it off. You see, some of us, we've been attacked with some inactive things. Some of us, we've been attacked with some things that are really not working and we think that they have defeat over us, they have victory over us. But you need to understand everything that you have went through, everything that you're going through, and everything that you're about to go through, it all serves as an inactive virus. Why? Because it's gonna boost you up. So when the real virus comes, which is the enemy, you are prepared, you are equipped, you are sanctified, you are holy, you are redeemed, You are saved, and it's all because of who Jesus is. So you no longer, listen to me, you no longer have to be afraid of the middle, why? Because everything that happens at that moment is inactive. It's it's not even working. It's not even coming against me. What it is is building me up. So now I'm, I'm, I'm ready for whatever the enemy might throw my way. Because, God, I know that you didn't save me from something. You saved me for something. And my life is connected to somebody. I might not be able to change the entire world, but if I could change someone's world, then that's what matters. So listen, if you're a younger daughter in this place, and you have probably been questioning God, or maybe this is your first time coming here, listen, I, I pray that you do receive this God that we call Jesus. He's the one that wants to save you. He's the one that's redeeming you. He's the one that wants to take your life and turn it around so that you can now become effective. One of the biggest challenges to the body of God is that people are going without sound. They're not being loud. They're not getting loud. They're not living loud. And it's all because when they hit the middle, they went back. So I want to ask if everybody could please stand with me. Stand with me tonight. Listen, with every head bowed and every eyes closed. Hey, listen, this is between you and God. Hey, you don't have to worry about the person right next to you. God's got them right now. Listen, one of the biggest things that we see in our generation is that we are the most gifted and talented generation of all. But you must understand something else. Our generation is the most distracted and discouraged generation as well. And it's because we have forsaken our first love, we left the reason why we were in existence. So tonight, if this is you all across this room, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your title. But if you could say, man, Joey, this is me. I feel like I haven't been effective. I feel like I have been quiet, I feel like I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my relationship with God and it's affected me all around that I've been losing track in the middle and I've been desiring to go back to who I used to be because it gets so hard living for God. And I want somebody, I want God to rescue me. I want God to do something in my life. I want God to provide for me. I want God to heal me. I want God to send people that need to be in my life, remove those things that are in my life so that I can be able to focus only on Him. Listen, if this is you all across this room, if you could be honest with yourself and before God and you want to have one of those Bartimaeus moments, right now I just want you to just lift up your hand right where you're at. Don't be afraid. Hands are going up, thank you. Hands are going up all across this room. This is your opportunity right now between you and God. You no longer have to run, you no longer have to hide, but God is calling you to live out loud so that you will be able to be used by him, that God will take you to a whole other level. So listen, if you lift up your hand, lift it, leave it up, leave it up, leave it up. Leaders and people around, I want you just to put your hands over them and start to pray for them. If there's somebody with their hand lifted up, I want you to come around alongside them as a family, as a body. That you don't have to believe before you belong. All you need to do is just come and your family. Come on, this is your opportunity to surrender. Come on, worship team. Let's surrender.